the Fantasy Shed On Air podcast. Everything you need to win your league. And now, your host, Rich Piazza. Sunday, June 9th, 2019. What's up, everyone? It's Rich Piazza, publisher of FantasyShed.com, and this is episode five of the Fantasy Shed On Air podcast. In today's show, I'm going to be discussing the fantasy impact of the rookie running backs. Before I do, just know that this podcast is now available on all major podcasting outlets, including iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called these days, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, and pretty much whatever other app you use to listen to your favorite shows. So be sure to hit that like or favorite button, subscribe wherever possible, and if on iTunes, please go ahead and leave a rating. That would also be appreciated. Also, over at FantasyShed.com, a lot of our 2019 content has been updated and is up and ready for the 2019 season, and of course, it will continue to be throughout the summer. Current running back handcuffs, which I'll also be touching on a bit today, quarterback by committee for those that like to wait as long as you can to draft your quarterback. We have contract year players and, of course, fantasy depth charts. With most of those, you can always download and print those tables directly from the site, but keep in mind, like I said, a lot of the content will be continuously updated, as will the print versions. So you want to print the latest version as you get closer to your draft. As we start looking into the fantasy impact of the rookies, I want to look at something that was brought to my attention about a week or so ago by FSA host Chris McConnell. Chris is also a main admin for FSA Fantasy Sports Advice and Analysis on Facebook. So a really good page over there. So definitely worth becoming a member of if you can. Well, he recently said that every season since 2011, we have had at least one rookie running back finish in the top 10 with three of those seasons, 2012, 2015, and 2017, having multiple rookies in the top 10. I'm not sure what format Chris was using, but 2011, I don't know if he was including 2011 or if he meant since then, meaning not including that year starting in 2012, because I couldn't find a rookie running back that finished in the top 10. So if I did miss someone, please let me know. Looking at what he was talking about, it was very interesting to see, though. 2012, we did have three. We had Doug Martin, Trent Richardson, and Alfred Morris. Martin was the number two overall fantasy running back. Richardson was seven, and Morris was eight. And Morris that year had an ADP of none. He was not drafted, and I'm going based on the final ADP count according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Trent Richardson was drafted in the third round. Martin was drafted in the second round, despite Richardson being the overall higher pick in the draft that year at number three overall. 2013 featured Eddie Lacy as the number eight overall fantasy running back. He was drafted in 4.01. And this was also the draft that had Le'Veon Bell in it, but he finished 15th overall. He finished first the following year in 2014, but he was 15th overall in 2013. And what it was interesting when I looked back at this, if you look back at the 2013 draft, Calvin Johnson was the only non-running back drafted in the first round of fantasy drafts that year. So obviously the zero running back strategy did not take hold as of that time. Because like I said, Calvin Johnson, the only non-running back drafted in the first round that year. I thought that was very interesting. 2014, Jeremy Hill finished 
as number 11 overall fantasy running back but number 10 in standard scoring. So he did finish inside the top 10 if you're looking at standard scoring. Number 11 if it was half-point PPR. 2015, we had two running backs, David Johnson and Todd Gurley, 8 and 9 respectively. And Todd Gurley was being drafted as 5.12 that year. He was the 10th overall pick in the regular draft, 5.12 in the fantasy drafts. And David Johnson, who was drafted in the third round of the NFL draft, wasn't being drafted until 10.10 in fantasy drafts that year. And Johnson had a lot of people to climb over on the Arizona depth chart. He was behind Andre Ellington, Stephon Taylor, Kerwin Williams, and Marion Grice entering the season. So you can understand why he had such a late ADP that year. 2016, Ezekiel Elliott was the number two overall fantasy running back. We all know he was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft at number four overall. He had a 1.08 average draft position that year. So the hype was real with Ezekiel Elliott, and he lived up to it, obviously, in fantasy land. Jordan Howard, on the other hand, he was behind Jeremy Langford, Kadeem Carey, and Jacquez Rogers on the Bears depth chart. So he did not have an ADP, just like Alfred Morris did in 2012. And he finished as the number 10 overall running back in standard leagues He was drafted in the fifth round by the Bears that year. In 2017, we were just slammed with talent from the rookie running backs that year. Probably the best rookie running back class we've had. We had Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, all finish inside the top 10 of overall fantasy production from the position. And that's also a draft that had Joe Mixon as a rookie, Dalvin Cook as a rookie, and Dalvin Cook, through the first four games, it looks like he was going to finish in the top 10 until he tore his ACL. So a very, very talent-rich draft in 2017. Alvin Kamara, who finished as the number three overall fantasy running back, he had an ADP of 12.08. Now remember, they had Mark Ingram there, and at that time, they also had Adrian Peterson. So how much Kamara was going to be used was going to be a little uncertain. So that's why he was drafted later than everybody else. Hunt was drafted at 2.07, Leonard Fournette at 3.03, and Christian McCaffrey at 2.11. Now, what I'm curious about with the Kareem Hunt ADP at 2.07, that was after, again, these are final ADPs. So his ADP obviously skyrocketed in the last week or two following the Spencer Ware injury. I think he got hurt probably August 25th, 26th in that area. So the following week or so of fantasy drafts, which is when most people like to have their drafts, that's what really jumped Hunt's ADP into the second round. I'm not sure where he was prior to that. I'm only using the final ADP results for that season. So we had Alvin Kamara at three, Kareem Hunt at four, Leonard Fournette at nine, and Christian McCaffrey at number 10, rounding out the top 10 rookies of the 2017 season. And then, of course, we have last season, 2018, we had Saquon Barkley, the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. Just like Ezekiel Elliott, the hype was there, was drafted at 1.07 in fantasy drafts, and he ended up as the number one fantasy running back in PPR leagues. If you're looking at standard leagues, he was behind only Todd Gurley. If you're looking at PPR leagues, he was number one 
barely ahead of Christian McCaffrey. So either way, one or two, depending on what format you're looking at with Saquon Barkley. Philip Lindsay, I know people are thinking about Philip Lindsay. He was a rookie last year as an undrafted free agent. He finished 13th in fantasy production. And had he played that last game, because he only played 15 games, and if he had a very big week 16, he probably would have been inside the top 10. I'm looking at the numbers now. He would have needed about 22 points in week 16 to jump ahead of Joe Mixon, who finished as the number 10 fantasy running back in PPR leagues. So I just thought that was interesting when Chris McConnell mentioned that. I wanted to go back and look at who they were. I believed him. I just wanted to go back and look at who they were exactly that were in the top 10. So that brings us now to this year's class of rookie running backs and the hype and the ADP and what people are talking about would tell you that Josh Jacobs of the Oakland Raiders, their first round pick at number 24 overall, ADP is telling us that he should be the rookie running back that you should place a bet on if you're going to say which one is going to finish inside the top 10. Not so fast. Not for me. I'm not as high on Jacobs as most. In fact, I don't think he's going to be the number one rookie running back this year. I'm not drafting him at 3.10. No way, no how. I like two other running backs better than I like Josh Jacobs, and I like Miles Sanders, and I like David Montgomery better. I'm a little concerned right now by Miles Sanders not practicing yet. If he gets on the field for training camp, he would be my number one rookie running back. He's a complete three-down back. Philadelphia, I know, has used more of a committee approach, but I believe that Doug Peterson wants to have that one steady running back. I believe that their committee has been more of a lack of personnel than an actual desire to use a committee. Let's remember where Peterson comes from. He comes from that Andy Reid coaching tree, and Andy Reid likes to have that one featured back. I know it's a crowded backfield right now. I know they acquired Jordan Howard. I feel like that is just a depth move, a no-risk acquisition that was made prior to the draft. You don't know who you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get the running back or running backs that you want in the draft. I know they have Corey Clement there. Josh Adams is there. Wendell Smallwood is there. And like I said, I also know that he currently is not practicing. So right now, he'd probably be number two behind David Montgomery. If Sanders gets on the field soon and is there for training camp and doesn't have a setback, he would be my number one. I feel like he's one of the best running backs in this class. He can do it all. And I think that's what Doug Peterson wants to do. If you're in a dynasty league, he would be my first rookie running back taken. His upside is greater than Jacobs. Nothing about Josh Jacobs from watching his film impressed me. Nothing wowed me. I didn't get excited about him. I didn't think that he should have been a first-round pick. I didn't think that any of these running backs should have been a first-round pick in the NFL draft. But Oakland had three first-round picks, so they had to use him. They obviously like him, but let's also remember, I know I'm jumping around here a little bit between Sanders, Montgomery, Jacobs. Let's remember that Oakland was very quick to re-sign Doug Martin when Isaiah Crowell got hurt. So they also have Jalen Richard, who they have talked up, who they like, who's going to be probably used out there more in passing situations. They have Doug Martin. You still have DeAndre Washington. You have Chris Warren. And I'm not saying those guys are going to even make the team, but they are still there. So why? Are we rushing to draft Josh Jacobs at 3.10?
when so many other players are available at that spot. So my list right now and what I'm talking about is not just about them as a talent or where they are. It also has to do with where they're currently being drafted. So let's look. Right around Josh Jacobs, you have George Kittle. I'm taking him over Jacobs. Mark Ingram, Kerryon Johnson. I'm taking them over Josh Jacobs. Philip Lindsay. I have to see more. I have to know his, he's okay, but I probably would take him over Josh Jacobs. And then you look at some other positions. If I'm not going to go running back, you don't have to go running back. I mentioned George Kittle was there as 3.11 as a tight end. Maybe I want a wide receiver. I'd rather go Stephon Diggs, Julian Edelman, Kenny Galladay, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. I'd rather go those guys than go Josh Jacobs at 3.10. So I'm a little surprised by where he currently is. And like I said, I don't think he's going to be a top fantasy rookie running back. As far as running backs overall, he's being drafted right now as the 20th overall running back. And that's not too bad. It's not too bad, but I don't think that system in Oakland with Antonio Brown there, with Tyrell Williams there, J.J. Nelson, Ryan Grant, Marcel Aitman, these guys, I feel like they're going to be throwing the ball more. It is a passing league. So David Carr has a lot more weapons at receiver, and there's a lot of guys in that backfield for Josh Jacobs to compete with. I don't see John Gruden giving Josh Jacobs, a rookie running back, 220, 230 plus carries. I just don't see it. And maybe I'm going to be completely wrong and look like an idiot, and that's fine. But I'm not using my back end of my third round pick on Jacobs when there's uncertainty surrounding all these guys. And I think a lot of people are overlooking the uncertainty around Josh Jacobs. So I mentioned Miles Sanders. So Miles Sanders isn't being drafted until the back end of the seventh round. And with good reason, like I said, he hasn't been on the field. He hasn't been on the field. So his ADP is going to climb up when he starts practicing. I believe he's talented, more talented than Jacobs. And right now serves as a better price as far as ADP price in the back end of the seventh round. You know who else I think is better than Josh Jacobs? David Montgomery being drafted at 5.06. Another player who I feel is a three-down set. He has a three-down set, excuse me. And the Mike Davis hype, that lasted really quick. Less about a week. I told people not to get so excited about Mike Davis in Chicago. Mike Davis is a good player. He was not in their plans of being the guy alongside Tariq Cohen. He just wasn't. Look at their pre-draft visits. Chicago Bears spent more time scouting, visiting, meeting with, running backs than any other team in the NFL heading into the NFL draft. They had five picks, five picks in total entering the draft, their first one being in the third round, and they didn't want to wait until pick 87. They moved up. They moved up 14 spots with New England in order to draft David Montgomery. They went up to the 73rd pick. They gave up a fifth round selection and a 2020 fourth round pick just to move up 14 spots, just to draft David Montgomery. And you know who else is from the Andy Reid coaching tree? Who most likely wants to use one featured back? Matt Nagy, Chicago Bears head coach. So you trade up, you give up a fourth round pick next year in order to move up 14 spots to get a guy who can do it all, who can be a three down back, who can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. 
So what does this mean for Tariq Cohen, or what does the presence of Cohen mean for Montgomery? I think the Montgomery addition actually hurts Cohen and his fantasy value a little bit, because now you have somebody who doesn't have to come off the field on third downs. We all know what Tariq Cohen can do. We all know the explosiveness and the playmaker that he is. And I think he's still going to be on the field. He'll be lined up all over the field, and he'll get his share. He'll be involved. But I don't think it's going to be how it was with Howard and Cohen. I don't think it's going to be Howard 1-2, Cohen automatically out there for third downs. I don't think it's going to be like that. Montgomery can now do it all, something that Howard could not do, or at least do well for that matter. So I'm going to bypass Jacobs in the third, and I am going to be all in on Montgomery in the fifth. 5.06 as the 27th running back off the board. And my current rankings clearly reflect that. David Montgomery, I have at number 17 right now for running backs in half-point PPR. I don't have Jacobs until number 33. Mixed in the middle there is Miles Sanders at number 27. And I have no problem raising Miles Sanders if I know he can get on the field and starts practicing. I don't know how much more I would raise Josh Jacobs. So it's clear just by my rankings how I feel about Montgomery and his situation. And he would be the guy that I would put if I'm going to go and and we're going to follow the trend that Chris McConnell talked about, about having a rookie running back in the top 10 in fantasy production for the position, I would put Montgomery as number one. Moving on to the fourth running back who I think should be drafted as more than just a handcuff type of player. And that's Daryl Henderson of the Rams. Henderson entering the draft was my number one overall running back. I love the talent of this guy. I love the explosiveness of this guy. And it's taking until now for people to start being concerned over Todd Gurley and his knee. You're waiting until now for that to happen. And it's still not catching on. People are still drafting him in the first round. 1.10. Now I can say, yeah, he's sliding because he should be 1.1 if he's 100% healthy, which we know he's not. And we knew he wasn't. That 1.10 ADP for Todd Gurley is ridiculous. And there's no way I'm touching him there. There's probably no way I'm touching him in the second round unless it is the middle to back end of the second round. And I don't like what else is there at that point. But there's legitimate concern. There has been. We should have been concerned when the Rams went out and matched the Lions' qualifying offer of over $3 million for Malcolm Brown. And as of now, Justin Davis and John Kelly are also there. So they have running backs. They have them for a reason. And maybe, just maybe, just like I had Henderson number one, Maybe the Rams did too, because this running back rookie class, I think, was pretty much all open to personal preference and what you wanted. There was not a clear-cut number one running back. I know Jacobs was the guy on most boards at number one, but I didn't feel that there was one guy that separated themselves that significantly that they could say he's the best rookie running back in this class. So while I had Henderson number one, Maybe the Rams did too. Is it possible? Because they gave up two third-round picks in order to move up and draft him in the third round. That should have also been a red flag about Todd Gurley and his knee. 
that the team would give up an additional third round pick, two third round picks, in order to go from 94th up to 70th and make that selection. There is concern with Todd Gurley. And even if Todd Gurley, who now says he's not hurt, even if he's able to play, there's going to be room and value for Henderson in that offense. Henderson is going to be involved. Todd Gurley is not going to be that workhorse type of running back that we have seen in the past. I'm not saying he's not going to be value. I'm not saying he won't even finish as a top 10 running back. All I'm saying is there's concern and there's reason for it. And I am more than happy to spend an eighth round pick on Daryl Henderson, whether or not I'm a Todd Gurley owner. If you draft Gurley, you have to draft Henderson. If you don't draft Gurley, I still think you should draft Henderson. Maybe we see a similar situation like we've seen in the past with uh, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Maybe it's that type of timeshare. Maybe it's even a 60-40 split. Even if it's 70-30, I'll take the 30% of Henderson in that backfield. That's how much I like Henderson and what I saw from him while I watched him entering the season. So Montgomery, Sanders, Jacobs, Henderson, those are guys that I'm willing to draft as more than a handcuff or as more than a stash guy. Everybody else, let's run through them, is, like I said, a handcuff type player, somebody that maybe you want to stash as well. Alexander Madison, the Minnesota Vikings, he's in a good spot. Dalvin Cook has proved that he cannot stay healthy. I feel like the O-line is also improved. Definitely worth a flyer, definitely worth a draft pick. If you are a Dalvin Cook owner, you can get him late. We're talking about the 14th round or later. Somebody who would be in line for a heavy workload if something happens to Dalvin Cook. Damian Harris, New England Patriots. They drafted Harris in the third round. And like most of these guys, he's also going in the 14th round. In a similar situation, not as extreme, but if you're a Sony Michelle owner, there is also reason for concern here. Having the Patriots use third round capital on a running back screams concern for Sony Michelle. It has to. Sony's already dealing with a chronic knee condition. And I know you still have Rex Burkhead and James White there. They'll get theirs. Damian Harris impacts Michelle more than it does anybody else. And just as we've seen in the past, we know how the Patriots are with their backfield and how frustrating it is on a year-to-year basis. So this is a situation where I would like to avoid. I would like to avoid Michelle in my drafts. I would like to avoid Harris. I'd like to avoid all of them. Maybe James White in PPR leagues is somebody that I would invest in. Otherwise, would it be shocking to anyone if Michelle puts the ball on the ground in week one and we don't see him again to week six and Harris comes in and takes over that quote-unquote lead job? It would not surprise me. We've seen it done by Bill Belichick and the Patriots before. So let's remember, I know they used a first-round pick on Michelle, but a year later, using a third-round pick on another running back who I thought was better than his teammate Josh Jacobs. Harris was still considered among some as one of the better running backs in this draft class. So definitely worth keeping an eye on. Definitely worth a stash. If you need or have the room later in your draft, 14th, 15th round, Harris is there. Although I think his ADP is going to start to rise a little bit up until maybe the 12th round territory. But if you have the space, it's worth the shot. Now, he might be somebody like a lot of these guys where we end up dropping 
after week one or two when we realize he has no carries. And what's going to happen? Same thing that always happens when you do that, right? There's an injury or something happens, like I said, a Michelle fumble, and then Harris is going to be a top waiver wire ad. So if you have the space, worth the pickup, stash him. Uh, Dynasty also worth the ad for sure, especially with the Sony Michelle knee injury. Raquel Armstead, Jacksonville Jaguars. If you draft Leonard Fournette, you need to draft Armstead. I mean, who else is there? Alfred Blue and Thomas Rawls? Please, come on. Raquel Armstead's going to be the handcuff for Leonard Fournette. We know he's had some injury concerns, also some suspension concerns. So yes, Armstead is the handcuff for Fournette being drafted at four point. I'm sorry, 14.06. If you draft Fournette, go and get Armstead. You'll be happy you did. Justice Hill, Baltimore Ravens. He's going to form a nice one-two punch with Mark Ingram. I don't know what's going to happen with Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon, but Justice Hill is explosive. And just like the Patriots backfield, the Ravens, they're another one where year to year, there's frustration, there's uncertainty. We don't know. One week we're playing one guy. We did this last week, uh, last year, remember? We have Alex Collins in the lineup, and then who? all of a sudden Alex Collins isn't playing, and Gus Edwards out of nowhere comes in and starts rolling. So another situation like New England that I'd like to avoid if possible. Dexter Williams, Green Bay Packers. He's a very talented player, has good size, and there's a good chance that he emerges as the number two. Right now, Jamal Williams is being drafted at 14.02, and Dexter Williams is currently not being drafted. And I like to see that. I like to see that Williams is being drafted that late and people aren't rushing or reaching, I should say, in order to draft the handcuff for Aaron Jones because Jamal should not be the handcuff for Aaron Jones. It should be Dexter Williams, and I think in time it will, even if Jamal is listed as the number two on the depth chart. As far as I'm concerned, on the fantasy depth chart, you're going to see more and more Dexter Williams being added. If something were to happen to Aaron Jones, it would be Dexter, in my opinion, that would get the majority of the work there. Devin Singletary, he's somebody I like a lot for Dynasty, a lot more than I like this year. He is being drafted in the 12th round, 12.08. I think that's still a little high. You still have LaShawn McCoy, who could or could not be cut or traded before the season. That remains to be seen. You have Frank Gore there. They signed TJ Yeldon. There's a couple other guys, Marcus Murphy, Keith Ford. I wouldn't really worry about those last two, but Buffalo did like him enough. I liked Singletary too, but they liked him enough to make him a third-round pick. He was drafted right after Montgomery and before Harris. Uh, There's a good chance that perhaps Buffalo wanted Montgomery, and that's why... The Bears went up and did what they did by trading up and grabbing him at 73. Next pick was Singletary at 74. I just don't know how much work he's going to get this year. So like I mentioned, I like him a lot more for Dynasty and Keeper Leagues than I do for Redraft. Although things change in the offseason and training camp and we see that they're using him more than I expect them to right now, then obviously that changes things. And right in his 12.08 ADP, it should actually increase into the, probably the ninth or 10th round if we know what his usage is actually going to be. Just a few others to mention. Jordan Scarlett of the Carolina Panthers. I think he is the second running back in that depth chart in Carolina, not Elijah Holyfield. I think Scarlett will probably beat out Cameron Artis Payne for the number two job. And I like him as a compliment to Christian McCaffrey. They are complete opposite running styles. He is a pounder. 
explosive once he gets through. And McCaffrey could lose some touchdowns because of Scarlett, and so can Cam. I'm not saying I'm downgrading McCaffrey in any way. I'm not saying don't draft him, obviously. And same thing about Newton. I just think that Scarlett could. Um, you could be in a situation where uh, McCaffrey has a long run of some kind, and then they bring Scarlett down at the 302-yard line, something like that, where he could uh, vulture some touchdowns away from the other two. Darwin Thompson, Kansas City Chief, six-round pick. He was one of my favorite under-the-radar backs. I thought he might go undrafted. Uh, nice job by Kansas City drafting him in the sixth round. He's a full complement type of player. A little bit undersized, but he's a playmaker. Would I be surprised if he takes over the main job at some point? I know the reports have come out. They've already said that Damian Williams is the starting running back, but that doesn't mean anything come week one or two or three or four when Williams might not be getting it done. So no, I would not be surprised if Thompson takes over at some point. For that reason, I like him better in Dynasty where you have the deep benches where you could use him. You have a taxi squad in some cases. I would not mind putting Thompson on one of those. I know Carlos Hyde is there as well, but we have seen Hyde as a very good backup, but doesn't seem to get it done when he is a starter. So I'm not even too concerned about having Carlos Hyde there as well as Darrell Williams. Thompson is just somebody you want to stash in Dynasty, somebody to keep an eye on as a waiver wire pickup in redraft at some point during the season. Benny Snell Jr., Pittsburgh Steelers, fourth round draft pick. He is the handcuff to James Conner. Jalen Samuels is not. Jalen Samuels is going to have a role which might impact James Conner in the passing game. I think Samuel did enough at the end of last season in the absence of Connor to show that he is able to handle a role and contribute and that he deserves one. So Samuel, I think, will have his own role in that offense. I'm not sure if it's going to be fantasy relevant early on. Maybe it's not going to be a James White type of role, but somebody that maybe you could throw in as a bi-week flex or something like that. However, if something were to happen to James Connor. I definitely think it would be Benny Snell that would get the majority of early down work as they are a similar type of runners. And I think that's what intrigued uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, as well as Connor has had his own share of injuries throughout his career. Bryce Love, Washington Redskins. We have to see what happens here. Geis is still not cleared for everything. He's had a lot of setbacks with his uh, ACL injury with the infections. I believe they had to do three more surgeries because of the infections. So Bryce Love, if he can prove that he too is healthy, although it's not going to happen right away, he's somebody that maybe we see in the second half of the season, depending on how the season is going for the Redskins, who could very well be battling for the number one overall pick. Tony Pollard, Mike Weber, Dallas Cowboys. There's not much behind Zeke. Zeke's a do-it-all guy. We know that. Not even worth drafting a handcuff, in my opinion, because whoever it is, is not going to be the same as Zeke, and the Cowboys will certainly change their offensive philosophy if Zeke were to go down. But Pollard could have a role in the passing game uh, certain in certain situations, giving Zeke a, a rest. Uh, Mike Weber reminds me of Alfred Morris, which means he's nothing special. So even if Zeke went down and Weber is the uh, starting running back, He's not going to be anything close to what Ezekiel Elliott would give you. And that leaves Quadri Allison out of Pittsburgh, Atlanta Falcons. He should be able to beat out Ken John Barner for the number three role. 
Won't have much of a fantasy impact other than if there's an injury to either Devonta Freeman, which is possible, and or Ito Smith. I think in either case, you're going to see Quadri as the second back in the rotation behind either one of the other guys if there was an injury. And that will do it for this episode of the Fantasy Shut On Air podcast. As I mentioned earlier, you can now find the show on all major podcasting outlets. Like I said, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Spotify, and more. Please hit that like button. A rating on iTunes would be appreciated. And be sure to tune in to future shows when we look at more fantasy impact. We have the wide receivers and the tight ends to go. And then, of course, we start getting into the draft prep and content that you'll need. We have it to help you win your league. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to Fantasy Shed on air. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FantasyShed underscore com for information on upcoming episodes as we help guide you to a fantasy football championship.